Welcome to the She Heals the World talk show with Dr. S, the place to hear stories of heart-driven women creatively living free. Our episodes highlight conversations and insights that support the values of self-care, creative and personal freedom, slower living, happiness, health, and wellness to help you live your absolute best life. To be a part of the movement and join the conversation, step inside our free Facebook group, She Heals the World, and say hello. It brings me great joy to bring you our next episode. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening in to the She Heals the World talk show today. Today, I have the amazing Trish Blackwell joining us. Trish is a trainer. She's a confidence coach, an author, wife, mom, surfer, snowboarder, and more. She is passionate about empowering other women to live the life of their dreams. And she believes in self-acceptance, the power of positive thinking, and that equipped with confidence, you can conquer anything. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Trish. How are you? Girl, I am great. And it's just a privilege to get to connect with, well, to connect with you, to spend the afternoon hanging out virtually. Nothing brings me more joy. And I'm so honored to be part of the She Heals the World team. So thank you. How did you get started in this work? Oh, great question. So my background is um, in uh, in language. And so I traveled a lot and i uh, was always, I always struggled with confidence and I wanted to write my first book. And, you know, the, I, I ended up, I ended up graduating from college and then living in Europe. And I came back and was like, okay, uh, as I write my book, I need to, I need to find a career. Right. And I thought it was going to be in linguistics since that is what my major was in school. I speak a few languages and I was waiting, um, in the DC area. So I was waiting for background clearance to go through and I fell into personal training. And it turns out all of my clients, uh, well, they worked for the government and they hated it. It's funny enough, my husband now works for government. So I am, I am a fan of government workers, but I saw a lot of miserable people. And I said, wait, why am I trying to get into this? So that, that I ended up realizing that I loved being in the fitness industry. I loved helping women feel confident about themselves, not just because of their body change, but, but what was going on in the inside and in their mindset. So that got me really locked into the fitness industry and realizing that I could make more of an impact if I helped people think better. And so after a few years in the fitness industry, I got my first book out and I was wait, thinking, hold on, like I can, I can work with people one-on-one -on -one in, you know, on a max, a long day, eight people a day. That's my daily impact. Right. Mm -hmm. And I started looking at what's my max daily impact. And I wasn't happy with that. And that is when I had some techie friends that were like, Trish, we think there's space for you online. I was like, you guys, I don't like even know how to make my own website. Right. But they just, they, they supported that. And I started, so I started blogging. I started, um, a few years later, started podcasting. And then, and then I realized that the answer to getting started, how, how to, to, that I had the potential to do a business. Um, I was answering the original, my original desire was to help more people that if I could help originally eight people in one day, wow, that, could, what, what would, what would life look like if that was 80? And then what if that was 800? And then realizing that all, what we have available to us as entrepreneurs who work in the online space is truly limitless. And that is where I started, um, spending a lot of time. So I did the, you know, the side hustle. I worked a full-time job as I transitioned into being my own brand and overcoming some of the fear of, of like calling yourself a brand. Like, let's talk about that. Like that wasn't easy, even though I'm a confidence coach, I'm totally transparent about, um, 
the fact that it's, it's sometimes scary, right? So, um, you know, so I got started in business with, um, I did a lot of apps at first and that generated income. And when I saw real income coming in, I went, wait, there's something to this. And then this ability to help people all over the world really got me hooked. And that's, that's sort of how I came and fell into this now full-time job for myself. Yeah. And it is a completely rewarding job I can um, testify to and imagine as well as a, yes. as a coach. And so um, tell me about Europe. So that sounds interesting. What was that transition like when you made the move and why did you make that move back then? Right. Um, so I made that move because I majored in French and minored in Spanish and I didn't want to teach. So I was like, well, uh, <laughs> I guess I should just go travel with this. And so I got a job in France. And, um, you know, lo and behold, it was actually a beautiful kind of full circle for my story. Um, uh, what I didn't share with some of my background was that I, I grew up in a high achieving kind of environment, you know, private boarding school, uh, private college, very competitive. I was a um, really, really competitive swimmer, um, you know, Olympic track for a while. And so to, to say I was a perfectionist and a type A personality is an understatement, right? Mm -hmm. So I put a tremendous amount of pressure on myself. And because I was an athlete, it was very easy to disguise an eating disorder behind just being really disciplined, you know? And so I, I ended up, I had a lot of um, really severe body insecurity mm -hmm. and eating disorder behaviors that I engaged in, in, oh gosh, eight to 10 years worth, um, which is why I'm so passionate about helping women feel alive in their body as they, as they are today, like not 10 pounds from now, but today. And, um, you know, cause I had to work through that in my own story. And so lo and behold, I still was sort of in the thick of it and uh, in college, you know, still kind of disguising it. Cause I was just, Oh, just very disciplined, right? She's this division one athlete. Of course, she's going to be really particular about what she eats and do extra workouts and all the things that go with that. But then I found myself living in France. I was kind of afraid of food. And there I was in a country that celebrated food. Interestingly enough, too, I went from being, you know, ever since I was 13 years old, I lived away from home. And every second of my day was scheduled and achievement oriented from 5 a.m. to like 10 p.m. And so then I get to France and it's, I mean, it sort of is a stereotypical experience of going, um, they just said, take the, take a day off. And like, I found myself supposedly working for 35 hours a week, but I never worked that much. I, most of the time I would say max, I was working 15 to 20 hours a week and they would pay me full time for it. And they said, just go travel, do fun things. And it was just so, it was this truly contrary experience of what I, um, what I, what my whole experience of life had been was achieve, achieve, achieve. And in France, I learned to just be. And so in the process of learning to just be, I was able to reevaluate my relationship with my body, my relationship with food. I saw people eat bread and not get fat and went, I had to re reanalyze some basic beliefs that I had taken for truths that weren't necessarily true. So, so that, so France kind of really gave me this healing that I needed with my body confidence and my eating disorders. And, and I, and I had this, these like ahas about confidence and that confidence had nothing to do with the size on your clothes or the, the number on the scale, but how you carried yourself. And in, in the French language, there's a, if I were to say, oh, she's so confident, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't use that word. They have the word confident that's comparable, but I would say colloquially, she's, oh man, she's so well in her skin. And that was, mm -hmm. elle est bien dans sa peau. And that to me, I can remember when I, when I realized that, that that's how they describe each other. And I was like, wait, that's, that's what I, that's why I'm so drawn to these, these, these women. They're, it's their confidence. 
and it had nothing to do with their style, with what size clothes they wore, with with their hair. I mean, I, it, it was life changing for me. And so that's why I came back to the U.S. and I was like, okay, I gotta sh- I gotta share this with people because we don't know this. So did you realize that you had an eating disorder when you went to France, or was oh, that yes. something that you knew from before? Oh, for sure. And you know, I had actually probably convinced myself that I was done with my eating disorder, and the reality was was that I wasn't. I was on the tail end of it. I had gotten help. I was healing, but I was still holding on to some self-sabotaging behaviors and certainly some toxic thoughts around what I needed to do to stay. Like I had justified, it's okay that you exercise three times at three hours a day. That's normal, mm-hmm. right? That's that's not normal, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that's, nor is it necessary or healthy. Now, I, I have since done an Ironman um, competition. So if, if I'm going to train for an endurance event, yeah, there are times and places where you do a three-hour workout, but like just not normal behavior for general just lifestyle, right? Yeah. So what else would you say are are triggers for folks who may have um, an eating disorder, but who also know that they realistically have to keep their bodies looking a certain way for, you know, um, if they're an athlete or if they're a public figure or if they're a blogger, right? Like right. they have to stay a certain, or they w- would hope to stay a certain size, but they feel like it's getting a little out of control. So what would be like some flags that you can give them? Absolutely. So, um, I would, I would say asking yourself, are, are, are you happy? Does it feel good? And, or is it an obligation? Are you doing something out of obligation or really based out of fear? So I, I really, um, in my coaching practice, boil everything down into a spectrum between love, love and fear spectrum. And for me, so much of my eating disorder behaviors and, and just, um, justifications, uh, were fear-based. I'm afraid I'm going to do this. I'm going to show up at the gym because I'm afraid if I don't, I might get fat or afraid that if I don't do this run, then I'll have more anxiety. Or I'm afraid that maybe I have a photo shoot coming up or I need to do these Instagram posts and I'm afraid of how I'm going to look. So I need to, you know, I'll skip three meals. Right. Mm. So I, I, there's that inner internal self-talk that if we were honest enough with ourselves, we know is going on. And so anytime I say, I hear that that fear is there, I, I have to just, I disengage and say, I choose to love myself. Mm. I choose to say I'm beautiful. I choose to feel pretty right now. Mm. Right. Mm. We don't like, we, we get to choose how we feel. So, so that where I choose to, and, and that learning how to love myself has been such a hard process. It is very counterintuitive to my personality. And so that's probably what I've been, in the last 10 to 12 years has been my main focus of self-care, self-love, um, self-growth in that area. And, and when it comes down to, um, if I get, you know, a, a state of stress, the, of course, old thought patterns will come up and I have to say, am I walking in love or in fear? And, I, and fear steals from you. It robs joy and it, it chains you to this limitation, right? This limited fear of what other people may think of you of not being enough. And I'm like, that is just constant stress. And I, you know, I look at my life and I'm like, I, I've tried that and it doesn't work. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes having a conversation to say is, how's that working out for you? Yeah. Right. That's, I think to ask yourself like, okay, this is what I do. And sometimes I like the control of it. I think for me it was also being honest with the fact that I liked some of my behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, I like that. I like, I, you know, for me, binging, binging and purging and, or binging and compulsive exercise were, were a really, um, real part of my story. And instead of calling it a binge, I would say, well, I mean, it's just emotional eating. I, I liked how it felt, mm. but then I would punish myself the whole next day, skip a meal, do extra workout, you know, whatever it might be. And I would, and I, I didn't realize that there was in that behavior, some, I was serving a purpose somehow that I was, you, 
numbing my emotions with emotional eating, labeling it something nicer for myself so that I didn't actually face the truth of what I was afraid of, the fact that I was actually still engaging in self-sabotaging behaviors. So I would say for anyone listening, you know, to ask yourself, am I, is this, is this coming, is this thought, is this behavior coming from fear or for, from love? Like, it, and as long as it's, in, you're walking in love, then you're growing. And then, you know, but if it's, if it's fear-based, I would say it's, it doesn't serve you and, and asking yourself that. Um, but you know, it's, it's hard when you see patterns you want to change and then you beat yourself up. You're like, I know better than this. And that that's a whole nother self-sabotaging mm-hmm. behavior, not to go down that route, but to say, okay, I'm proud of myself and I love myself for recognizing that this behavior or this thought doesn't serve me. Okay. Now how do I change it? And taking that as the next step. Yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful mission you have, Trish. And I can imagine that, um, you know, there are so many women who have gone through something in their life that they know can be used as such an amazing gift to show others the same, the same journey or how to overcome that, um, that challenge. And I'm wondering with you, what, hurdles did you overcome when you were thinking about actually turning this into a beautiful life-changing business that you have right now? Yeah. You know, I would say one of my biggest hurdles is, was when I started getting in front of people. Now I'm obviously extroverted. I love talking. Um, but I hated myself in pictures. Mm. I, I, I would not look in the mirror. I'd wash my hands and look the other way. My self-criticism, the self-hatred, the disappointment in myself was so strong that I was like, how can I, like, I'm supposed to help people, but like, I, I, I have to have a YouTube channel. Like, um, I have to do <laughs> Facebook lives. Um, right. like, I, like I hate, you know, I, there was so much self-criticism at that point that, um, I had to bribe myself to get past that. So I invested in a coach. I invested in, in a mentorship and a mastermind. And then I, I knew that to get to the next level, I had to get over myself and I had to trick myself to do it. I work really well with bribes. And so, um, <laughs> I base I thought that's when this is like, this, this is going to date this when this happened. Um, back when the iPad was really brand new, it was iPad two had just come out. I was like, all right, you don't have the money for this yet, but you're bought, you, I bought it. I said, you're, and I, I knew if I bought the iPad two that I would use it to make videos of myself. And that is what got me over myself. Wow. I just was like, you got to do it. Like it's tough. Like this is part of the process. And I had to ask myself the question, the biggest question that, that that's truly been the biggest hurdle is like, how can I get over my fear of what people may or may not think about me as I put myself out there, as I try to help, as I overcome the, who does she think she is kind of fears, right? right. Or the judgment, or is she fit enough to do this? Or she's not pretty enough to be blah, blah, blah. You know, we make up some crazy stories in our mind, but mm-hmm. overcoming that was, I have to, I went back to sometimes bribing myself but then another hurdle is when, you know, this, as you pursue a dream and you want to make a difference, there's a lot of that self-talk of like, well, who do you think you are? And you get this fear of, does what I do matter? And I, I have to, I, I have an internal conversation with myself to say, do you care more about protecting yourself or about helping somebody else? Like, I have to go back to how dark my life felt at one point, how hopeless I felt. And remember those mentors that encouraged me and and realizing that they made themselves uncomfortable in order to help me. And that gets me sometimes past myself. I'm like, this isn't about me. This is about the people I'm going to help, the people I'm going to serve. And that sometimes propels me into action. So I think the other, I guess the answer to that is the other hurdle was whatever excuse that could come up at any point of why I wasn't ready to do something. You know, mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, we have lots of reasons. They're like, well, my website's not perfect. And I'll, I'll do Facebook Live when I lose 10 pounds or whatever, yeah. 100 reasons. And it's like, well, is this really about you or is this about the people you're helping? Because if it's about them, then get over yourself and show up. 
Like, yes, get over right? yourself and show up. Yes, because it's no one's no one's thinking about us the way we as much as we think that they are. Yeah, and I think one thing that you just touched on that was really profound was these self-doubting beliefs that are like swirling in our head all the time. Like, am I capable? You know, I don't like how I look. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not, you know, extroverted enough or I'm not a good enough public speaker. And all of those things can really keep us stuck and not making progress. And so um, this is really apropos to what you came to talk to us about today, which is some things that... Um, our women can do to heal from limiting beliefs as they're going into business or continuing to expand their business. And so what you got for us, I'd love to hear some of those. (laughs) Absolutely. So, so we, so some, I got five steps for you to heal from limiting beliefs. And I think this is, this is a bonus step. First, acknowledge that they are limiting beliefs, that these are thoughts that are going on and there are beliefs that you have chosen to buy into, that the only person putting limiting beliefs on you is yourself. And so that's, um, it's a hard pill to swallow when you realize sometimes we're stuck because of ourselves. But I think the sooner we acknowledge that and, and, and give ourselves, extend ourselves grace, then we can move on from it. Right? So step number one is to know, to get past a limiting belief, know what you actually really want and then give yourself permission to to believe that it could it could happen to believe that you're it's for you to believe that you have a purpose we we stay sm- limiting beliefs keep us small and we stay small because we don't think we're enough so i think we have to to really step into believing that we are enough which really leads me to step number 2 is to decide who you are and how you f- want to feel so decide rather than go, oh, gosh, I hope I feel, I hope I look pretty today. Just make the decision. I feel pretty. Like I am pretty, but I feel pretty. I have control over how I feel and I'm going to choose to feel pretty. Right. Um, or there's for me, one of the biggest, um, kind of anchoring mantras that has really helped me feel more confident and overcome limiting beliefs is the statement that I've decided to be enough. The, the statement I'm enough, like that, that encourages me, but it kind of like feels a little frou-frou, but to, to really give myself that power to go, wait, I decided that I'm enough, which means I don't have to compare myself. It means I don't have to be perfect. It means that I don't have to, um, go back into the, all the, through the list of Rolodex of rejections or disappointments or things that I, you know, didn't go my way that sometimes lock us into those limiting beliefs. Instead, I'm like, I am enough. I, I'm enough. Well, then there's no pressure. I just, I get to just be. So releasing yourself from the pressure and deciding how you want to feel is a huge step to go. This, this belief is truly just an imaginary wall. The fifth, the third step would be to get obsessed with action. I I want, I want to identify with being an action taker because we, we, we move the world. We change our lives by taking action, not by thinking about what we want to do, but by taking action. And then I think, um, you know, limiting beliefs, we stay stuck because we, we want to have the, the really perfect solution. We want to be, we want to be really ready. We want to make sure we don't embarrass ourselves or whatever the reason is that's holding us in a spot. But if you take action, you get results. Enough action is guaranteed to get you results. And I, when you start seeing results and you start seeing success, you start realizing, oh my gosh, I'm capable of so much more than I ever thought. And mm. that's when free, that's when crazy things start to happen, you know? And so then the, and then the fourth, the fourth thing I wanted to share was just the power of investing in yourself. You know, the story, and I didn't even plan on sharing that original story about the hurdle. Um, my first hurdle came when I spent, you know, a few thousand dollars on myself and it was scary. And I spent money in, in, in a coach in a, and then I spent money bribing myself so that I would take action, <laughs> right? 
but there, but there is something to be said about the, about uh, putting a financial backing behind yourself, into yourself, into your business, getting mentorship, getting, um, uh, into a mastermind or just, or just saying, okay, I have a hundred dollars a month to spend on, on books, on growth, on, on growing myself because the investment in yourself always pays the highest return of anything. But in order to, in order to, to see that you've got to take the risk. It's risky. It feels scary. But I'll tell you, when you when you invest money in anything, you know, if you ever give to a charity, all of a sudden you follow that charity more, like you share it more, like you start caring where we put our money is where our heart goes. Right. So the more we invest in, in ourselves, the more we're actually going to put heart and, and follow through into ourselves. And again, that goes back to the more action you take, the more results you're going to get. But investing yourself sometimes just makes you take more action and it helps you get over yourself and then say, okay, like I can't afford to have limiting beliefs anymore. I think for me, sometimes that has been a, a tipping point. I've had moments in my business where I have tipping points and it's because I'm like, well, listen, I, I, I've already spent too much money. I can't afford to get in my own way. Right. And it pushes me past that. You know, it really does help. And then the final thing I wanted to share was, um, I like to say this, um, on my podcast to, to Eleanor Roosevelt it, right? Eleanor Roosevelt it. So one of my favorite quotes, I love so many of her quotes, but one of my favorite is to do one thing every day that scares you. And, and I love that it's, and if, if you just say, I'm going to lean into the challenge of life and that's a good thing because I can do hard things like the, I'm an action taker and I can do hard things. And every day I practice doing hard things. And then I learned they're not actually that hard. Like I just decide to show up, right? Like two minutes of, of effort can change everything about our life. And so, um, Eleanor Roosevelting it saying, I'm going to commit to doing one thing every day that scares me big or small. And just say, this is just part of who I am. It's what I do. I take action and it's a good thing because I can do hard things. It's also important to say what may be hard to you may not be hard to me and vice versa. Like it's okay. Like I love doing Facebook live, but that's some people's worst nightmare and that's okay. Right. It's okay that it's hard. Maybe just being consistent on social media is a hard thing. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Whatever your hard thing, there's no judgment in what is hard or what isn't. If it's hard, like if it's hard, like <laughs> sometimes I'm, so I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. Sometimes it's hard to shower, like, <laughs> you know, or, but to shower, no, I can keep up with that, but to shower and blow dry my hair so that I could look camera ready. Like that's a hard thing. Right? Right. So, or right. sometimes it's hard to get over the fact that my hair's in bun. I'm like, oh, okay, well this is the time I have for Facebook live. So I'm hopping on like right. hair if my hair is curled or if it's in a bun. Right. But right. sometimes that inner dialogue is a hard thing to just go, I'm moving past that. I'm not going to be limited by wanting perfect circumstances. And I love, you know, you brought this around full circle because I was going to say the favorite one out of the five tips that you said is yeah. uh, number one, which is awareness. Mm. And kind of like, you know, the same thing with like addiction or whether it's food addiction or it's drug or alcohol addiction. It's like the, those steps that they bring folks through, like the first step is realizing you have a problem. And it's yes. the same thing with these limiting beliefs. It's like realizing that this is a limiting belief that I'm having. This is something that I'm imposing on myself and it's standing in the way of me getting what I want. So how do I overcome it? And yes. just that sometimes will help you move past it with ease. Wow. I, I love yeah. I think they are amazing and I think they're going to be super helpful for women as they listen to this and they awesome. start to bring themselves through each and every one to hopefully break through that 
uh, limiting belief mindset. Yeah, I just want to add one more thing because yeah. uh, a, a good a good exercise. I think it's I think it's important that we recognize that limiting beliefs are introduced to us by society. That we are gonna have new ones that kind of if we're not if we don't guard our minds that come in. And so one exercise that I do every every quarter, so every couple months, is I'll just take a, a, a scrap sheet of paper and look at my areas of my life and say where do I have limiting beliefs. Like, what is my limiting belief in my marriage right now? Oh, mm. oh, I didn't even realize that was there. Okay. What's my limiting belief about money right now? Oh, wow. Okay. Like, sometimes just asking yourself that question, like, what's my limiting belief about what I can do on the treadmill right now? Like, just sometimes asking it, you go, oh, I didn't even realize I was there. Okay, let me get rid of that. Like, it's a good, it's just a good check-in, a way to ask yourself. Because I think if we, you know, we might know some ones that are, that pop up immediately. Uh, but what's a limiting belief in my business? Uh, like yeah. I could, there's three that I think it's so it's interesting. I've made a lot of growth in this area, but I still have a lot of work, mm. but that's okay. Cause I can do hard things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, think it's, I think the point about taking it beyond your business can mm. be life-changing for so yes. many people looking at your marriage, looking at your faith, looking yes. at your beliefs about your body, all yep. of that can totally transform your world. If you really start to think about what's keeping me stuck in this area. And then, like you said, you can achieve anything. You yes. can achieve anything. Yeah. How beautiful. So Trish, if you could give yourself any piece of advice 10 years ago, what would, it, what would it be? Oh, you're doing better than you think you are. Ah, uh, right. I think yeah. we all need more, more, more affirmation. And I think, I think it would, I think also, let me, let me add to that. Trish, be nice to yourself. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, that goes hand in hand with you're doing better than you think you are. So stop beating yourself up. Stop it. Like turn on Netflix without guilt. Let yourself yeah. The problem with being an, one of the struggles of an entrepreneur is you feel like there's never enough time and you're never doing enough. And just really just giving yourself grace to go like life is there. There is so much to be lived. And again, like you already said, the more you take care of yourself as a full person, the more successful your business is going to be. Mm, yes, totally. Totally. Yeah. Thank you so much for inspiring us and for bringing so much of this knowledge and experience and um, just kind of all the motivation that you provided today. And so for folks that want to know a little bit more about you, maybe they want to buy one of your books, maybe they want to join your community or support you in some way, how can they find you? Absolutely. So I, one, I have a podcast. So I would love for you guys to connect with me on the podcast. It's called The Confidence Podcast. And also come hang out. Um, I'm on Instagram, Trish underscore Blackwell. On Facebook, I'm Trish Blackwell Fitness. Of course, TrishBlackwell.com. And I have a free um, confidence course that's seven days. Three minutes of, of a pep talk comes right to your inbox. You can get that at TrishBlackwell.com forward slash quick confidence boost. I would love to share that with you and connect with you guys there. Well, there you have it. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. And as always, for more resources as you continue to live out your beautiful mission of healing the world and grow your beautiful business, you can head to www.shehealstheworld.com forward slash freebie to see what new resources I have in store for you. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend. And I can't wait to see you at the next episode.